1: Welcome to Mornings with Matt White, right here on SEN. Call Matt anytime, 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736.
2: Morning, everybody. Welcome to another week. Here we go. Have you recovered? Have you got over the weekend? Have you uh, finally caught up on the sleep? Uh, that we missed out on yesterday in particular and all those crazy celebrations, the ups and downs. Wow, what an emotional ride it's been in the world of sport and so much for us to digest on this Monday morning. So thanks for your company on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, wherever you're tuning in on the SEN app. It's Monday, December the 5th, my second last week for the year. And I cannot wait to dig into the items on the table this morning because there are plenty. Uh, the forecast for Sydney first up, they warm today. It's going to be nice and warm. In fact, uh, 29 degrees for the city and along the coast, but up to 34 in the west. But it's that classic day where the Bureau is saying, are we allowed to call them the Bureau still? The Bureau is saying that uh, there's going to be the chance of a thunderstorm later this afternoon. So hot throughout the day, and then in it rolls this afternoon. Now, on the table this morning, Football, cricket, rugby league, NFL, golf, basketball, you name it, we've got it. But what we've most importantly got is you. It is Open Slather Monday. Have your say on what's on the table this morning. You know the drill. Pick up the phone, give me a call, we'll drop everything. You get on air. 1-300-01-1170. Make your snap judgments this morning. Give me a snap judgment on anything that tickled your fancy across the weekend. Thanks to Snap Fitness on a mission to help you feel fantastic, snapfitness.com.au. And we've got a fair bit to feel fantastic about. Now, not everything is always positive in the world of sport, but somehow a defeat can be looked at as a a positive after the Socceroos. There's no question about it. The dream's over. We know that. A 2-1 defeat to Argentina. We know how it all rolled out now. But, gee... What a ride and what an input this team has had into the Australian sports psyche over the last week and a half or so. In fact, over their journey to get to the World Cup first of all and then do what they did when they were there and how they did it. And you and I have discussed this at length. They made a clear a clear play to tap in to what you love about Australian sporting teams. From Qatar, they made it loud and clear. We're playing for you, whether you support football or not. And the results, well, it didn't go their way on the scoreboard yesterday morning, but take a look at the live sites around Australia. The ratings for SBS's coverage will come in very, very soon. They'll be astronomical. So the big question here, and I want your help on this this morning, what happens next for Australian football? How does Football Australia capitalise on the Socceroos run ...in Qatar and how they've tapped into you. How do they cash in? How do they double down on this love affair with this team and their performances? Yes, it's a World Cup. Yes, let's put it into perspective here. We all jump on board. But the kind of scenes that we've witnessed across the weekend and throughout this World Cup... ...and the messaging that's come out of this team has been something really unique... Now, as we know, the A-League players will be returning home, so they're all scampering out of Qatar now, and they'll head off back to their respective clubs, which is a little bit of a bummer about the World Cup. In some ways, it's a positive. In another way, it's a bit of a bummer. The A-League season restarts this weekend. Man, if you're Football Australia, you'd be licking your lips. So what can Football Australia do then to leverage off this World Cup success? Now, think about it. Think about it. If this is an Olympic Games or a Commonwealth Games, and we get absolutely wrapped up in green and gold, they'd be getting a ticker tape parade. They didn't win the thing, but they did the next best thing, which was push Argentina the whole way and got into the round of 16 when everybody said that they couldn't. A Socceroos All-Star match, wouldn't that be a knockout hit? Think of the things that you could leverage off this World Cup to try and give football Australia an even bigger leg up in this country. So many of you football fans out there say, okay, this has got to have an effect now on the A-League. But you know what? That'll take time. However, we do have a whole stack of A-League players coming on back here. So let's put them front and centre. The next FIFA window open for business is March. So essentially, that's the next time that we could see all of these superstar players back together, for instance, and back in Australia, if they could coordinate that. But what is the instant hit football in this country can get let me know your thoughts alex brosk will join me he'll have his say soon but graham arnold did speak about the opportunities for the game in australia before they went out and took on argentina
3: i hope that uh and i do expect that australians start respecting the a-league for the quality it has been a firm believer in the a-league for a long time you know people Sit back at home and compare it to the English Premier League because that's really what the, the only other football that we watch in Australia is the English Premier League. But I've been out and about and around Europe, and the A League is as good as most European competitions. There's only one thing the A League needs to do is play more football. They don't play enough football, and 25 games, 26 isn't enough, 12 teams isn't enough. They need to give kids more opportunity to be professional footballers and uh, play more football. And as I said, the quality of the A-League, the boys here have shown, have come from the A-League, that they can match it on the world stage.
2: So is the A-League obviously the key here? Does it go further back than that into grassroots or do you just double down on the top of the tree at the moment, which is the Socceroos? Now, another question around Graham Arnold's future, we can dig into that as well, is now the time to have those discussions. He's officially out of contract, but he's proved also that old-style coaches can still exist. You can bark at your team. You can tell them to get off their phones, stop the social media. And you know what? They loved him. Can old-style coaches still exist? But I want you to put your marketing hat on this morning. Come up with a concept for me. What can Football Australia do to capitalise on the Socceroos' success? Open Slather Monday, 1300 01 1170 is the open line. If you'd like to give me a call or 0457 736736 736 on the text line. Now, this morning at the World Cup, England 3, they are through, defeating Senegal nil. Is this long drought finally coming to an end for England? It was a nervous start for them, but after that, they were clinical. Again, picking
1: up a lot of ball deep. Here goes Phil Foden, skips around one, plays Great across, in. Bukayo soccer. Saka, pips it in. Bukayo Saka. The two young stars combining Phil Foden Bukayo Saka, the next generation of English football playing great English football right now.
2: So it sets up a blockbuster. England will play France in the quarterfinals. The French defeated Poland 3-1 this morning. Clinical again. Olivier Giroud scored the opener. He is now France's all-time scorer. His 52nd goal, overtaking Thierry Henry.
1: And into the feet of Giroud. Left-footed shot across the face of goal. Past Chesney and into the nets. France, 1-0 up. And for Olivier Giroud, it is a record-breaking goal. He is now the all-time top goal scorer for Le Bleu.
2: Yeah, he certainly is. And then the man that terrorised Australia early on, Mbappe, he scored two himself at the age of 23. He's now got nine goals in 11 World Cup appearances. Incredible.
1: Out towards Mbappé in some space, 18 yards out, Mbappé! Kylian Mbappé at this World Cup just cannot stop scoring goals. He has another. Dram towards Mbappé! Oh, Kylian Mbappé has just gone and done it again. Unstoppable! Mbappé has five goals at this World Cup and now nine goals at all World Cups, Kylian Mbappé. My goodness. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Good way to put it. My goodness, all right. More to come, you'd think. So tomorrow, the round of 16 continues. Japan v. Croatia. That's the early game at 2 a.m. And then the 6 a.m. game will be Brazil v. South Korea. And then Wednesday, the final games in the round of 16. Morocco have Spain and Portugal will take on Switzerland. one three hundred o one eleven seventy. one 1170 is my open line number let me know what you think football australia can do what does the game do in this country to parlay that success and all of that support and the love affair that we've got with the socceroos at the moment into something even bigger there's hardly a person that i've spoken to or listened to who doesn't want that kind of success to flow from qatar into the game across the board here in australia Cricket, I'll be catching up with Sockey this morning. Stephen O'Keefe will join me and we'll talk the first test in Perth. Australia, a resounding win, of course, against a resilient but essentially outclassed West Indies. Did you get into this one? And where have the crowds gone here and what can Cricket Australia do about it? So the numbers, Australia wins by 164 runs. Nathan Lyons, six for 128 yesterday. He had it on a string, plus two wickets in the first innings. Manus Labashane, the player of the match, 204 and 104 not out. Becomes just the third Australian. So he joins Greg Chappell and uh, Dougie Walters in scoring doubles and a single century in the same match. An extraordinary performance. But a couple of key questions. The biggest one around Pat Cummins. So an injured quad. Does he play in the second test? He fielded yesterday but didn't bowl a ball in the second innings. He bowled 20 overs, 20.2 in the first innings and took three wickets, but he looked very, very timid in the field. Heavily strapped right leg, and you wonder how he's thinking about uh, the second test starting this Thursday in Adelaide. Let's have a listen to the Aussie skipper.
4: No, I felt, felt okay. I was more not trying to run as opposed to being restricted to uh, to run. So, yeah, felt all right. I kind of even got a bit tighter. I was going to have a bowl. Yeah, pretty happy he managed to, to not bowl, so... Give myself a good chance just a small strain i think they're normally about a one weeker, and kind of if you bowl make it worse it can make it longer but pretty spend the next few days rehabbing and getting it right and i think it's a pretty good chance so I'll, I'll be good for adelaide definitely you know the thought process the last couple of days you know don't really want to turn a one-week injury into a you know, three four-week injury and, and you potentially miss the summer so yeah we'll weigh all that up but as i said i felt pretty comfortable out there so yeah give it a few days it already feels pretty good. Physio might be less optimistic, but I think I'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I we'll have running and a bit of bowling to make sure I'm right.
2: It's a tough conversation the physio is going to have, and so to Andrew McDonald as well. Hey Skipper, we don't think you should play. Uh, Skipper says I think I shall play. Thank you very much, and I'll be taking uh, the Adelaide Oval on Thursday. I mean, does he play in the second test? And would you risk it because that series is now over? We've won the Frank Worrell Trophy. It's only a two-test series against the West Indies. He did look timid as he was trying to chase down a couple of balls out there in the field and obviously he wants to play however what's the point when you've got so much ahead of you? Steve Smith would therefore captain again if Cummins doesn't play. He did most of those duties over the last few days and did you notice too Davy Warner calling plenty of shots next to Smudge as well? Just give him a leadership position because when Steve Smith is captaining the team when Paddy Cummins is off David Warner is essentially vice captaining the team. Just give him the leadership position. Nobody, I mean, that's what he's doing out there. So just make it official. That's just a byplay of uh, what's been happening. I'll get into the crowds in just a sec, but Nick's on the road on the open line, open slather Monday, on what Football Australia can do to parlay this success. Nick, go for it. Good morning to you. Yeah,
1: good
5: day, mate. Listen, I'm a cricketer and I've gone through the system years ago. And it didn't cost that much money to play rep cricket. But the problem with soccer, it just costs too much money for a family of two or three kids who've got any potential. Like you're talking two or three grand a season. It's just too expensive. So kids are dropping off.
6: Yeah,
2: and we've had this discussion quite a bit and on other shows as well. And I heard um, vossie's show digging pretty deep into this the other week. And, and it's going to be one of those continual... Um, discussion points that keeps coming up with football, mate. And you're right. You hear it time and time again. I mean, my kids didn't really come through football. I've got two girls and I've got one playing cricket at the moment. However, I do have nephews, et cetera, that have come through the game of football and it's been extraordinarily expensive at, at such an early age. The problem with that, Nick, I reckon, is is that an instant hit off the bat? You know, something like that is going to take a while to filter through the system and change. So... The Socceroos' success, they could have gone on and won the World Cup. It's not going to make a difference as to how much um, families and youngsters have to pay. So they're looking for the instant hit. So I, I assume you probably think that that's a bigger bigger problem that's going to take a while.
5: I think you've got to look at the long-term picture, mate. I mean, instant hit. I mean, the reality is um, these kids have got to come through. And it might take yep. two more World Cups, but it's just got to be cheaper, easy.
2: Yep, cheaper. Make it cheaper. Good on you, Nick. Thank you for that. Thanks for being the first caller through this morning. Open Slather Monday, one 1170 Very simple. Just make it cheaper. I'm up for simple solutions. Now, the crowds in Perth. Oh, dear. Okay, let me run you through what happened. And, and I don't take any joy in saying this whatsoever because, like Nick, I, I love my cricket. I'm involved in the game and I absolutely love the history of the game and I would have had a ticket to go there. However, not many others did, and we saw this coming. Day one on Wednesday, 10,929. It was hot. It was hot in Perth. It was a Wednesday start. Day two, 8,695 people were there to see Marnus get a double century, Smith get a double century, Travis Head get 99. What more do you want? There's 8,500 people there. Friday, 11,000 people turn up as Australia takes 10 wickets in the day to roll the West Indies, 11,000. Then we get to the weekend, day four, 7,640 were there for day four. Labashain gets another century. David Warner edges close towards a half century. Three West Indian wickets fell. And then yesterday, 3,981 people were there to watch the Australian men's cricket test team take seven wickets to win the match. 3,981. And those figures would be rubbery. Now, that crowd yesterday only just beats day four Australia of the India at the Gabba during COVID restrictions in January last year. There were 3,947 people there that day, COVID restrictions. So a full day's play yesterday, no restrictions, great weather. Australia set to win the match on a Sunday And the crowd is just 34 people more than a COVID-restricted crowd in January last year. The total test crowd for the five days, 42,517 at an average of 8,500 in terms of crowds. That's serious trouble for Cricket Australia. And you wonder when they're going to listen. Coming up, I'll play you Pat Cummins' thoughts on that and also Nick Hockley, what he said on day one on our SEN coverage to Jared Waitley about the crowds that they were or probably weren't expecting and it'll make your head scratch, especially the CEO of Cricket Australia. It'll make you scratch your head. The, The big question is what happens this week for the second test in Adelaide? It starts on Thursday. So let's line it up. It's a dead rubber. We've already won the Frank Worrell Trophy. There could be no Pat Cummins. Scotty Boland comes in. He might bring some crowds. The average crowd, the Adelaide crowd, rather, for the must-win T20 World Cup match, Australia v. Afghanistan at Adelaide, 18.5. The one-day match against England, 15.5. What's going to happen this week for the second test in Adelaide? And you know what else happened in Adelaide on the weekend? They had the final event of the Supercars Championship this year. The Adelaide 500 returned. They had more than 250,000 people across the four days. 250,000 people went to the Supercars across the four days. 42,000 went to the test in Perth. Now, by the time they get to the second test this Thursday, I'm tipping that most of the sports lovers in Adelaide have spent their money at the Supercars event. They've already shown that they're not up to watch the Australian team in the T20 uh, World Cup and also the ODIs as well. And history shows that at the moment, the Australian sporting crowds don't want to spend their money. What does the Australian men's team or cricket Australia need to do to win back support? What else do they need to do? They just blasted these guys off the park, essentially. They scored double hundreds here and there and everywhere. They scored centuries. Nathan Lyons, a champion, they did not put a foot wrong. So what more do they need to do to win back the support of the Australian public? There's a fair bit on our plate this morning. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Make your snap judgments on anything involved that we've just spoken about right there and then. So football, cricket, whatever you want to discuss, we are here. One three hundred O one eleven seventy is the open line number. It's twenty two and a half minutes after nine. Straight to the open line we go. We're trying to parlay the success of the Socceroos into something even bigger for Australian football. I think we've picked apart quite a few of the problems, but let's parlay the success. Let's capitalise on this. Greg from San Susie is on the line. Good morning, Greg.
7: Good morning, Matty. Um, Nick hit it on the on the head. The, uh, the biggest thing, of course, is the cost of playing at the elite level in junior football. Unfortunately, in this country, a lot of people think that the game owes them a living and that they're playing at a level that they're actually not playing at. I To ask you the question, how many players are being paid to play second, third and fourth grade cricket? Mm. I can tell you in football, it's a lot and that money to be uh, to be paid to those players is gouged out of the kids. It's as simple as that.
2: So just got to make it cost effective. Back to Nick's very simple point, just just make it cheaper.
7: Yeah. There, where, there are too many good players slipping through the gaps because they cannot afford to play the game. There are mm-hmm. clubs who will, um, who will do it, and uh, and uh, and charge the kids nothing. It can be done, but there are those who just, you know, they all they want to do is succeed at their uh, at their competition, and they will do whatever it takes to uh, to get there. And unfortunately, paying coaches and players to, mm-hmm. to play it, but. Uh, effectively advanced park level is not the way to go. All
2: right, thank you mate. Appreciate the call as always. So again, there's another vote just make it cheaper, mate. <laughs> just simplify uh, the cost of playing football in this country, especially at a junior level as you come through the system. I just I look at that and I go absolutely it's a, it's a no-brainer. No question about it. Is it is it something that can happen quickly? Doesn't sound like it. Is it something that you can leverage off the success of the Socceroos? Well, perhaps because you're going to have more kids wanting to play. Think of all of those kids that sat up, got up early yesterday morning, all of those ones that were live sites around the country who rode the wave all the way throughout the tournament and who who wanted to buy the shirts, who want to be the next good one. You know, it's just extraordinary. So how do you capitalise on that? Because the moment only comes around very, very briefly. They've got to capitalise on it straight away. That seems to be a deeper problem. But let's talk about the positives this morning. I mean, soccer, football in this country is in a great position right here, right now. Double down on it is my opinion. We'll take the news and then plenty of time for your calls as well. And Alex Bros will join me very soon too. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, England this morning, 3-0 over Senegal and France 3-1 over Poland. Tomorrow morning, it's Japan v Croatia in the early game and then Brazil versus South Korea as the round of 16 continues. On the text line, Alyssa says, Arnie's right. Australia needs a home base. It's ridiculous we lose our top players to overseas clubs and leagues. We should be trying to retain them. And another texter says, parlay the momentum into the women's soccer team for next year's World Cup. The opportunities are there, aren't they? 01 1170. It's open Slather Monday. Jump on the Al Capone and let me know your thoughts around socceroos, cricket, whatever you'd like to discuss this morning. But let's go back to this incredible weekend of football for Australian supporters. SEN's global game host and, of course, former socceroo Alex Bross joins me on the line. Good morning, Alex. Morning, mate. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. The dust is settling. What does Australia take away now from the World Cup?
8: Oh, look, there's so many good things and positive things to take from the World Cup. I mean, the boys performing, uh, the performances over there, the way they, you know, went far above and beyond what, every, what everybody expected um, has been incredible. You saw the scenes with Jackson Irvine, uh, Harry Sutar getting emotional, showing, you know, how much it means to these guys and I think the scenes of around the country, really, of all the fan sites that were set up around the country. Uh, Amy Park was almost full of people watching uh, a game on TV. It's incredible uh, the the, the scenes that these guys made us live um, so far away from, from, from what they were doing. So, look, I think it's been an incredible journey. One that started quite roughly against France and everybody was thinking, you know, oh no, where do we, where do we go from here? There was so many doom and gloom um, you know, stories coming out of that. And the way they turned it around, um, took Argentina all the way, I think is, is, is heroic. Nothing short of heroic what they did. Um, and, and look, I think it's great. It's great for the game. It gives the A-League, which is starting you know, back this week, this coming weekend, a real kick. Um, and, the, and the Socceroos is a brand as well. I think it's been many years since you know we, we saw a Socceroos fixture sell out like like it used to. Um, you know the Socceroos when they came to town, it was a it was always such a big thing. You know not too long ago, and I think that started to die off a little bit. But what these guys have done surely, you know, means packed stadiums every time the Socceroos come home from now on.
2: I reckon there's a lot of Australian sporting organisations and teams at the moment. Broski is thinking, how do we we bottle that magic that the Socceroos have with their brand and how do we capitalise on that? I'm going to pick your brains on that in just a sec, but obviously Graham Arnold's future is going to be a big talking point. He deserves a holiday. He's now out of contract and he's going to sit back somewhere and just soak it all in because it's been one heck of a ride. Is now too early to start talking about Arnie's future or is it a discussion to have later on
8: look that discussion has been as you know unfortunately it's part of the job right that's been had for a number of uh years and uh, you know it it's, been, it's happened after every single game every loss every win you know arnie's future has been up in the air so look i think he deserves everything that's coming to him you know he deserves to sit back have a break uh, and enjoy Basically, the choice of what he wants to do. You know, he's ridden so much in these last few years, so many people writing him off. um, And he had what's ended up being Australia's most successful ever World Cup campaign. You know, he had... In that last 20 minutes, you had Argentina trying to waste time, trying to throw balls on pitches, keepers lying down, wasting time. That's incredible for a a team like Argentina to be doing that, to be up against the ropes in those last five minutes against Australia. It's, It's incredible. So, look, Artie deserves... All the praise with what he did with this uh, with this young squad, you know, this this squad that he's brought together, um, has, he's kept together for four years has shown incredible faith in. Um, and look, I think I'd like, I'd like to see him take Australia at least to the Asian Cup and try and you know continue to build what what he's done off this squad. But look, I'm sure, and um, Arnie will tell you better than anyone this this job is about as stressful as it gets. So I don't know if he uh, if he can handle any more of that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the players seem to handle it fine. I mean, his style of coaching can be abrasive. He was, like a, you know, he was like a cranky dad at times saying, get off your phones and get off social media. And we've seen with other sports that um, certain players or playing groups don't really respond to that kind of style these days, but it seems to work in Australian football. So if he's got the players' support, do you reckon it's up to Arnie next time around? He has those discussions with Football Australia.
8: Without a doubt, and I know every single player would be would be backing. Him. You know, I've played many years under Arnie, and I can tell you he's he's such a great man manager. He knows, he, he knows the psychology of what a footballer is thinking um, on the field. On the field, he knows he, he just knows footballers, and he's such a smart guy. Like I said, he knows how to get the best out of guys, how to motivate players, how to bring a group together, and that's the most important thing. Sometimes it's not always the best team. You know that performs the best on the pitch. It's the it's the team that literally willing to die for each other. You know, for the guy next to you. And I know that's spoken about a lot in Australian sport. You know, being there for your teammate, but that's not always the case. And and that's something that Arnie definitely brings to the table. He makes sure that everybody understands what it means to wear that soccer shirt and what it means to fight for the guy next to you. And that that's hard to replicate. And that's hard to get as a coach. You know, and that's something that he has in, in Spades. So. Look, I think um, I know the players will back him all the way, and it, and, it, and it will come down to Arnie's decision. I'd say so. Look, hopefully, he does stick around a little bit longer just to keep that, you know, that, that group together and keep building. He's got a lot of young guys that have just made a, a move overseas that that really grow. I, I actually thought heading into this World Cup, when I looked at the squad, that we'd be much. Better prepared, much better, um, you know, in a much better position in four years' time. So, I mean, given what he's done already for this World Cup, I'm super excited about what this squad can do in, in another four years.
2: So, how does Football Australia capitalise on the extraordinary scenes that we saw around the country? People packing out live sites, everybody talking about the Socceroos. A World Cup's a World Cup, Alex. We know that, but they garnered the support of the nation like, well, like no other for, for such a long time. So now, the, now the question becomes: What does Football Australia do next to pounce on this opportunity?
8: Look, that's a that's that's a great question. I mean, it's something that I guess you know. Football in this country has long been trying to do. You know how do you how do you capitalise off big moments? You know we've seen, you know, derbies, Sydney derbies, Melbourne derbies get such great support, and then you go to other matches and it's just not the same. We've seen the Socceroos, not just now, but you know, in 2006 when we had that golden generation and, and the you know what they did for the for the fans and country, and then obviously look that does have an effect, a small effect, but it is. It is trying to convert all those people into regular followers. I mean, the fans, the the, the, the scenes that we saw at those live sites, you know, I, I got sent it by one of my friends and, and just thought the same thing. I thought, imagine seeing these scenes at A League matches every every week. You know, that these, it's incredible to see. So, look, I, I guess for me, um, you know, those are questions for. I guess, very highly paid individuals over at the FA. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's up to them to, to capitalise on it. But, look, I think they have to. I think whatever they have to do, obviously, try. they need the Socceroos back out here. The next window, that uh, FIFA window, the next break, I know these guys need a rest and they're going to go back to their clubs and play a lot more football. But we need to get these guys, we need to give these guys a homecoming party. You know, we, we need to see, you know, whether it's Sydney or Melbourne. It was disappointing to see the crowd in Brisbane, you know, the farewell match. That they got, but I guess that's the state of where the Socceroos brand were at that point. So I think now what they've done to that brand again has been incredible. So get the Socceroos back here as soon as we can, the next window, and, and I'm sure we'll see a, a packed out stadium and and, and allow the fans to uh, you know to show respect to what these you know what these heroes did.
2: So the Asian Cup's in June next year. That's in Qatar again. That window that you're talking about is in March next year. I mean, you'd love to throw them on a plane like we do with our Olympians, mate, and and just get them straight back and parade them down the streets because that instant hit is what Football Australia would love to get, but obviously governed by a whole heap of different things. So could you see, you know, almost like an all-star match? I mean, I could see something like that. Just get them back out here as many as you can, throw the Socceroos um, shirts back on them and get them to the MCG. You'd be looking at a sellout, I reckon. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until March, at least for something like that. So is there an instant hit in the A-League, do you think? And if how long do you think that this this wave can be ridden? Well, look, the the instant
8: hit I think can be the fact that there's so many A-League players um, in that World Cup squad. That's the incredible part about it. We, you know, that, that shows just how far we've sort of punched above our weight. But I think that's it. I think it's 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 getting the, it's you know marketing the hell out of these guys that that are in, you know, the Socceroos that play in the A-League that you know people have a chance to come and watch every single day. And these guys were mixing it with Messi and um, Mbappe, some of the best players in the world. So I, I think that's the instant hit. I think we need to ride. Off the back of the World Cup, get people out to the A League grounds as many as we can. You know, obviously not open the doors, but we want to see we want to see scenes like we saw at the at the fan sites, and that that is hard to replicate, right? I mean, what the Socceroos did for the nation is hard to replicate in in any code. I mean, it, it, it's the honest truth. The scenes that we saw, you just don't get anywhere. So I think in an A League game as well, I don't know I don't know how they do it, but they need to they need to just ride off everything that we've been feeling in the last you know, week to 10 days and, and, and just pump that into the A-League, use the players that are in the A-League, that were in the Socceroos, um, and just get people out there, get people supporting these guys and showing their appreciation.
2: Yeah, the good thing is it's it's all positive, isn't it? I mean, the performance that they had, what they did and how they did it, and, and what happens next should only be positive, which is a great spot for the game to be in. Who impressed you the most this morning, England 3-0 over Senegal or France 3-1 over Poland?
8: Oh look I think uh I think France is is the big, uh, look both were equally impressive for me I think uh look both were expected to come through and they and they did they did so quite comfortably France uh you know got the, got through the group very very comfortably they they seemed to be progressing again against Poland which was a it could have been a tricky game um again they got through very comfortably And England as well there's so much pressure you know the players talk about the, the weight that that England jersey carries, and, and the, these guys are, are carrying it quite well at the moment. So, uh you know, that game right there is going to be big in the next one. France against England, I mean, great game to watch. But so far, it, look, it, it, as heartbreaking as it was to see Argentina progress over Australia, um you know, whoever went through that game and, and went to the next round to face Holland was going to be big. So, look, it's, it's good at the moment. So many big, big games still to come, and we're only sort of... Just getting uh, over halfway, and unfortunately, that means even less sleep
2: over the next couple of days. (laughs) And that's what we love about the World Cup. On you, Alex. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, matey. See you, mate. Keep those texts and thoughts coming, especially around the Socceroos, what we can do to parlay their success into more and more successful football Australia uh, right in our own backyard. But I did mention those crowds at the first test against the West Indies in Perth. A total of 45. Two thousand, forty-two and a half thousand yesterday. Three thousand nine hundred and eighty-one turned up. The test started on a Wednesday. We know that, and that was not a good way to do it. Let's have a listen to Paddy Cummins first up on his thoughts around the small crowds over there at Optus Stadium.
4: Doesn't really bother me to be honest. Um, I think us cricketers don't really know what day of the week it is half half our lives. Yeah, always want to obviously have big crowds and stuff, but. I know there's five test matches to spread out over the next you know, six weeks or something. So, yeah, however they chop it up. But, yeah, the crowd that were here were great. I know back home as a kid, I always loved having whacker test matches because it went into the night. So I always like to see bigger crowds. But, yeah, they were great, that Hood turned, those that turned out.
2: Unfortunately, those that turned out, it's one of the lowest you'll see uh, yesterday, especially in a 60,000-seat stadium. Now, Nick Hockley spoke to Jared Waitley on SEN's test cricket coverage on day one. And here's what he had to say to Jared.
6: I think you always want more. I think there are a number of factors. I think obviously we had the T Twenty World Cup postponed by two years coming in, so it's meant that we've had a very compressed schedule uh, throughout this summer and a lot, a lot more content than than normal. Uh, I think starting on a Wednesday probably not the best. It's a very busy time. People are at school. People are at, at work. Um, but really hope the crowd builds towards the the weekend. And I think people are just getting used to this stadium and uh, as you say, it's been a couple of years since we've had Test cricket. Certainly, speaking to people yesterday, uh, the atmosphere around the ground, those people were having an absolutely fantastic day out, and we just encourage people to come down as the the match progresses and towards the weekend. Why did we start on a Wednesday? Again, it comes down to the exceptional circumstances of this this season. The scheduling's really complex, but uh, with a T20 World Cup landing at this particular time, Uh, It just meant we had a little less flexibility in terms of start dates. You know, I think going forward, uh, making sure as many people can come as possible is our absolute priority. And, you know, certainly I think starting on a Thursday or Friday gives people more of a chance to come.
2: So a fair bit to sort of unpack off the back of that, um, people getting used to the stadium. They had 60 odd thousand, 58,000 people there throughout the AFL season, of course, and uh, I, I think... Well and truly, people know where the stadium is. You don't have to go too far to know what Optus Stadium is in Perth. So I really just think, and the scheduling factor around starting on a Wednesday night. Well, they all know that that's for broadcasters. They get to have more prime time throughout the week than they do on the weekend. So they want their Wednesday nights, uh, Thursday night, and Friday night. I mean, the fact of the matter is that right now you can you can slice and dice it any way you want, but Under 4,000 for day five of a test to see Australia take seven wickets to win the match. That should be alarm bells that do not stop ringing at Cricket Australia this morning. And I hope they get a massive crowd at Adelaide. Well, they're not going to get a massive crowd. I hope they get a good crowd at Adelaide because I'll tell you why. The Australian men's cricket team deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. Best team in the world. Haven't put a foot wrong, essentially, since 2018. Now, there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about, why they're on the nose, et cetera, et cetera, player power, the whole lot. But focus on their performances. And they need, I think, more support from Cricket Australia in putting that out there. To hide behind people don't know where the stadium is, it's on a Wednesday, it's scheduling, there was a T20 World Cup, uh-uh-uh. You're heading for a massive problem here across the summer If you don't somehow re-energise the Australian public to love your team as much as the Australian public fell in love with the Socceroos. More after this. Before we get to the news and into our second hour this morning, a few of your texts around the Socceroos and how do we parlay this success. Matty, we need to bring the Socceroos to life. What are their names? Who do they play for? It should be in lights. When they market this week's A-League, then it should be come and see so-and-so Socceroo play this weekend against another Socceroo. Well, they're certainly in lights. No name on that one, but they're certainly in lights. But you're right. I mean, how do you, how do you bring that back domestically and, and turn that into a league back in lights? Matty Arnie deserves four more years, says Ed Wumble. He deserves to take the team to the next World Cup. I tell you what, he deserves Ed Wumble. You might be right, but gee, deserves a break. Put your feet up, Arnie. Drink a nice cold drink and think about something else than the Socceroos. The pressure they've been under has been extraordinary. Coaches in the A-League, says Ray, need to play an attacking style to attract people to watch. Passing the ball back and sideways 100 times gets boring to watch. Thank you for that, Ray. Harry Suter's had a say on what they think, what he thinks uh, they can capitalise on. I'll bring you that soon. It is Open Slather Monday, second hour of the program. Thanks for your company. Wherever you're tuning in, 1170 a.m. Sydney, right around Australia, and the world. In fact, wherever you're tuning in on the SEN app, thank you for joining us on this Monday morning where we're dissecting what it all means for Australian football off the back of the Socceroos, taking it to the round of 16, taking it up to Argentina and getting oh so close to the next round in the World Cup. And how do we capitalise on that from every single level? Well, just let me read you something that Harry Suter has uh, put on Social media and talk about parlaying it off the back of one of our listeners earlier this morning with a text. He says, Hopefully, now the proper funding will be put in place for grassroots levels to make football accessible for all, no matter what the background. We need to capitalize on this opportunity with the Women's World Cup coming to Australia in 2023 to make the next generation of Australian footballers have every chance of making it. That's one of his, or part of his post off the back of Qatar, where he's thanking everybody and talking about the journey. But smack bang in the middle is we need to capitalise on this with the Women's World Cup coming here. We need to make it cheaper at grassroots level. So echoing the thoughts of what a lot of your thoughts are coming through on the text line and the open line, one one 1170 Meanwhile, cricket, on the other hand, would love that kind of love-in. The Australian men's cricket team... Absolutely rolled. I mean, it was an outstanding performance on the pitch, but in the stands, it was very, very different. An average across the five days of 8,500 people there, 42,500 in total. It's a worry. It's a big worry. And there's there's more than just one issue as to the reason why. Let's get your thoughts on that. Des from Maryland is on the open line to start this hour. Good morning, Des. Pleasure.
9: Can only improve with good performances and people being available to go i think the timing of you know two weeks before christmas with with the west indies possibly being expected to get absolutely caned by us um mm. leading up to it but the fight that they showed um i think well, surprised a few people myself included for sure they, they played particularly well in, in periods and the australian performances were outstanding yeah. The batters, the bowlers, everybody did well. Now, that can only improve. That can only improve. I think the Adelaide will, will, will get out, uh, a, a better crowd than it otherwise would have. Hadn't Perth been as, as close as it was, 150 runs in the end. That, that was a magnificent comeback from them. So, you know, the timing of everything with the, um, what do we just have, the World Cup. C20, uh, The yeah. soccer World Cup, the competition with everything. So, I think it can only improve, Matty. And don't forget, too giving up a whole day for a lot of people is quite a commitment. You don't, you're always going to get the, the, the already cricket fan following it on the radio whatever. Trying to get new people out there for a whole day, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it is tricky, but that that can only improve too with their timing and availability because the coverage is so good on Fox and air-conditioned you know, air at home. I think there's a few factors there, mate.
2: Yeah, and you make really good points, Des, and I appreciate those. And you're right, that, y- your last statement's spot on. There are a few factors, and we covered them... Um, at length last week because I saw this coming. I mean, you could see that the pre-sales weren't good. Um, The history going into it wasn't good. The sounds out of WA were that there was next to no marketing uh, out and about in Perth as to, guess what, there's a test match on and we've got the best test team in the world. Like, all of this stuff is missing. I've got a sneaking suspicion that Cricket Australia just don't get it when it comes to this. And when you listen to Nick Hockley, who I've got respect for in that position, and I always will. He's the CEO of the organisation. But to come up with a a couple of excuses, one, the Wednesday scheduling, well, mate, fix it. You're the CEO of Cricket Australia. This is your series. Fix it. Change it. Don't be bullied around by the broadcasters. Change it. And if you're going to lose crowds because of a Wednesday start, then don't have a Wednesday start. And then that people don't know where the stadium is, I mean, Come on, I'll blow you away with some of the stats and numbers before that. It just seems to me as though it's a little bit too hard of a problem. And on the flip side of that, I'm starting to ask the question, why aren't they getting behind the Australian men's team? Cricket Australia should be doing absolutely everything to have everybody invested into this test team. And they're just letting them hang there and try and get results on the pitch to have the crowds come in. I'm worried about Adelaide really worried, and I'll get to that in just a sec. Thank you, Des. Mike from Bundaberg is listening in as well on the cricket crowd situation. Mike, go for it, mate. Good morning.
10: Yeah, good morning, Matt. Um, Mate, I think the problem, or one of the problems is, as is the scheduling, I mean, I'm a little bit older, and I remember the days when, you know, sides would come out and they'd play two or three against two or three shield sides and have the President's third 11 and so on and so forth and the public could actually get invested in the opposition. And, and to say that, um, you know, people didn't go because they thought of Australia's gonna whip them. I mean, I'm old enough to remember going to the Gabba and watching those great West Indian sides absolutely annihilate Australia, <laughs> but there'd be you know, 25, 30,000 there every single day. So I don't really think that's an excuse. And finally, I think, love it or not, uh, television dominates sport everything goes around the TV and so what's happened you've got all these um, sporting bodies saying well to get our billion dollar TV rights we need more games so they just throw these ad hoc games in like those three one days and you know, nobody cares so by the time the test comes around everybody just thinks oh really is we playing cricket again still what's
11: going on
2: yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors. There's no question. And you've encapsulated a lot of them there as well. And scheduling's definitely one of it. And the other one is exactly what you and I did probably on the weekend, Mike. I love the fact that I could tune in and out. Um, I watch Fox's coverage. That's just what I prefer to watch. I didn't see much of Seven's coverage. And, and I love it. It's, it's world-class sports broadcasting. I mean, the, the teams are fantastic across the board. So you're right. Why... You know why go and buy a ticket to go and sit in that stadium, etc., etc. There's a million reasons why not. What Cricket Australia has got to do is tap on the why. Why? I mean, we've got the best Test team in the world. Why? You could have gone and seen Manas Labuschagne get a double century and a century. Steve Smith get a double century. Travis Head with a 99. You could have gone and seen Ch- um Chanderpaul make his debut. Australia takes 10 wickets in a day, and there's 11,000 people there. There's a whole stack of whys that I think are getting lost in Cricket Australia doing its absolute best to stick fingers in the holes to stop the leaking of, oh, everyone thinks that we're a hopeless organisation at the moment. And then people are getting used to finding out where Optus Stadium is. Have you ever been to Perth, folks? Have you seen Optus Stadium? I've been there. I was there when the Whacker and the Whacker's still across the, across the Swan River. Mate, if you don't know where Optus Stadium is in Perth, you're walking around with both your eyes closed. 61,000 people were there in 2019 to see the Wallabies take on New Zealand. I was there that day. They had the grand final there in 2021, the AFL grand final, 61,000 people. We played State of Origin there in 29, uh, 2019. 59,000 people were there. Plenty of people know where Optus Stadium is in Perth. If that's part of your excuse as to why only 42,000 turned up to watch Australia take on the West Indies, then you might want to go and have a a a little bit of a better time with your spin doctors because you're missing the mark horribly. And in my opinion, not getting behind this incredible Australian team made up of outstanding individual performances and they haven't put a foot wrong. So it's time for Cricket Australia to jump on board, get on the bandwagon. Have a look across at Qatar and say, guess what the Socceroos did? They stood there and told everybody what they stood for, what our identity is and what the hell we're doing over here, which is playing for Australia. That's what the Australian men's cricket team is doing right now and they're not getting the support that, in my opinion, they should be getting. A 164-run win at the end of it all. So it was a long five days in the end in the heat over there in Perth, although it did cool down. And Nathan Lyon wrapped things up yesterday with six wickets on the uh, final day it was an extraordinary performance so let's concentrate on what's happening on the pitch for the Aussies when it comes to how they got rid of this West Indian team that was so resilient what uh, the Windies can put up for the second test Stephen O'Keefe is on the line Socky joins me to break all this down good morning to you mate
3: how are you Matty
2: I'm good thanks I'm good so what did you make of Australia's on-field performance here they had to The the West Indies were like, you know, a a good old Aussie summer. They were the flies that were never going away. They just showed resilience in the face of this outstanding (laughs) bowling attack.
3: (laughs) Mate, I was just thinking while you were talking about Qatar and low crowd numbers, what are your thoughts on maybe starting to pay a few people just to turn up in Aussie jerseys? <laughs> I mean, I'd happily turn up. A, but do you reckon we could get the government to flick us a bit of extra cash and just get us to stand in the crowd and wave a West Indian flag around maybe? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I tell you <laughs> just, what. Just a thought bubble. Hey, you just...
11: You're,
2: Listen, it's not a bad thought. I mean, we've been doing it for years. The Fanatics have been doing it for years. Tennis Australia have been invested in the Fanatics. And I reckon Cricket Australia could do that and and show some support for the Aussie team. Look, while we're on that, let's address uh, that issue. While we're on that, I mean, sure. those figures, yep. th- there's a whole heap of reasons why, Sock. And but those figures mm. are are incredibly concerning. And to me, it all goes oh, yeah. back to headquarters. I think the players have got to take a part in this and all that kind of stuff. But it goes back to headquarters because they're not sitting down and saying, okay, what have we got? We've got the best team in the world. Why aren't we telling people Mm. that? Do you get that feeling as well? Or where do you think it sits? Oh, I just think there's been...
3: I don't reckon it's probably one thing, but I think leading into the summer, it just didn't seem like... There wasn't a lot of positive rhetoric around the team, was there? There was a lot of drama going on. The team hadn't performed well. And then it seemed like there was a bit of overkill with the cricket, with the one days with the England side. And then we get a, a West Indian team that probably, no disrespect, because I actually think they played really well and are a fantastic cricket team. And, you know, 20 years ago, you would have packed out any game of cricket you had the West Indians. So people are just a bit like, well, you know, it's the West Indies we will roll them, they don't like Perth. This isn't that interesting a, a, a game. Um, and you combine that with a bit of the stories that have been floating around around the team, and it just created a bit of disinterest. And you're right, you've got it. You we have to find a way of reinvigorating the heroes in that Australian cricket team and sell them as heroes, and get to know more about their stories and context as to what they think or believe or values or whatever. So it's not seen as so harshly or maybe detrimental to that team assets, and yes, it does start from the top, as you quite rightly said, with the head office promoting that team and selling it in a positive light.
2: Well, Nick Hockley was on this radio station throughout the coverage, and, and like I've said earlier, I've got respect for Nick Hockley as the CEO of the organisation, but I think they're missing the mark here, mate, and he spent a lot of time talking mm. to Jared Baitley about what they want to be at Cricket Australia versus what they are. Mm. I mean, you should be. Yep. Surely, you should be concentrating on what you are. And this whole want to be stuff is: we want to be inclusive and we want to be diverse. You and I both know cricket is a very uh, inclusive game. It's a very diverse game, especially yeah. here in Australia.
3: Well, it it that's a, it's it goes back to it. I won't. I don't want to harp on the you know the manly football saga. It's like, oh, we want to promote diversity. And I'm like, every when I looked at that manly football team that went out, it was a diverse team. It already does promote diversity. There's people from all different backgrounds and cultures that are in there. I mean, it's like, I don't know, that might seem just like a bit of spin at times when you hear that sort of stuff, inclusivity and diversity. The game already does it. And you'd know yourself, Maddie, you go down to Manly Cricket Club and you're coaching the women's team and you see people all different ages, different sexes, different backgrounds playing. The game is already diverse. I've been playing club cricket this season And the change-up of teams from uh, different cultures is so far different from what it was 20 years ago and it's to be celebrated. It's exciting and I think it's fantastic. Um, And I think state teams are actually noticing that. Um, And I think hiring uh, you know, Chandika Hathurasinghe, who was a champion Sri Lankan batter as part of the coaching panel at South Australia, is, is a good move from New South Wales cricket to understand that we are getting people coming through from... Southeast Asian countries, and they've got to connect there or someone who might understand what the background might be a little bit better. So I think the game is doing that. I think what we have got to do is, as I said, start promoting the heroes in their teams and the heroes at domestic level and get to know them more so the cloud, the crowds and the public can get in behind these individuals. At the moment, it just seems like whenever they have to speak, they're putting out spot fires. Um, and people at times can be a little bit frustrated with that. So I think that's one reason. I don't know why the reason is we're only getting 42,000. Because you and myself, But you know, I love that contest between bat and ball. I love the way that Wendy's hung in. And I love seeing Steve Smith and Marnus Lubbershaw the challenges that they went through the gears They went through to make double hundreds and score big runs. Um, you know, in a quick down, Nathan Lyon taking six for on that wicket. You know, what a phenomenal effort in the heat, in trying conditions to to push his team and lead his team to to get another sixer and show why he's world class. That, to me, is all, um, you know, good stuff.
2: Yeah, he he finishes the the test match, Nathan Lyon with eight for one hundred and eighty nine. Those figures, and then we head to Adelaide, Sockey on Thursday. So, quick mm. one: do you, do you reckon Paddy Cummins plays on Thursday? I mean, if he's if he's feeling okay, he'll push the cause, and it's very hard to deny the Australian captain his own spot. But do you reckon you'd risk yep. it?
3: No, I don't.
2: I, I don't I don't know?
3: I haven't spoken. This is not coming from inside the camp or anything like that. Um I, I'd, I'd, say, I'd suggest no. I, I mean, if you can't get through that game, I'd be really surprised that in three or four games he was able to come out and bowl, you know. If he's not bowling, if he's only bowling 75% at Adelaide, there's plenty of guys who are bowling 100 because of the tight turnaround that you could go to. We we're, were embarrassed with the riches of quicks bowlers that we have in the country that are bowling well at the moment. Your bowlings, your knees, your steketees, uh, WA, you could pretty much pick anyone out of their top three or four Shield bowlers at the moment who are bowling well at the moment and leading the Shield competition that could easily come in and replace them. So I think, Pat, you know, given there's so much test cricket over the next 18 months, I don't know, you've got these and another three against South Africa, you've got an Indian test series, you've got a one-day World Cup, it might be worth giving him a spell if he needs it um, because, you know, what might be a... A week turnaround for him now. If he goes out and blows it out, it could be a month or six weeks. And then you've got to build that all back up again before you get going. So um, it might be a tough call, but you know they've got this capable hands of Steve Smith who can lead the team. He's already done it before. And I don't think this will be the first time that it will happen with Paddy, just given the nature of fast bowling, that sometimes they do need a rest and they're more susceptible to injury.
2: Good work, mate. You've got about a week. What is it? About eight days until your first big bash game. Hitting the, um, hitting the sand hills today, are you? <laughs> hey,
3: until Tommy, 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 two phones sent me a message and said, hey, "We're still good to go for ten 10 I woke up in the day in my bed, going, "What's on at ten 10 <laughs> So, <laughs> mate, what? My warm-up at the moment doesn't look uh, too aggressive. I'm just about to wander down to uh, the Manly Bakery, grab a some right. bacon and eggs, sip of coffee, tune into the SEN app, of course, yes. and listen to more pearls of wisdom from the great Muddy White in the morning, because that, that is the only way I like to start my day, mate. So that'll uh. be me
2: today. You're in safe hands. Good on you, mate. Have a good day. It's a glorious day. Stephen O'Keefe joining us there. Now, the TV ratings in for uh, Australia v. Argentina at this stage. So the bare numbers off SBS, 964,000 people tuning in. So that's just the initial figure. And then we get, um, obviously, through the app, etc. cetera. And uh, 900, so that'll go over a million. Cricket on Channel 7. 316,000 for the first session, 386,000 for the second session yesterday and still waiting on the ratings from Fox. So i got to say, I mean, in terms of those watching, when you combine the two audiences from Seven and Fox, which is what Cricket Australia will be doing, the numbers are still there of people watching it. They just don't <laughs> want to go. They do not... Want to go 22 minutes after 10 o'clock. More on that in just a sec. Just a little bit more on those uh, TV ratings for FIFA World Cup and for the cricket. So, 964,000 is the number from SBS for yesterday morning's match against Argentina. The match against Tunisia on Saturday night rated 1.03 million, obviously, because of the time frame there. So, more people watching, uh, more eyeballs on television sets around, they call it sets in use, more sets in use around uh, the prime time schedule than there is at 6am, but then take into effect or take into account rather the amount of people that were at the live sites, Uh, many more people at the live sites than there were at the cricket. (laughs) So if you start to add up everything and then we'll get the streaming numbers as well, which is how I ended up watching it on streaming. I watched it uh, through the SBS app, which I had to download. Um, at the very start of the match. But uh, that's how I ended up watching it, and then um, stay tuned on that. So there'll be more numbers to come through, but those are huge, huge figures, obviously, when you take a look at uh, how they've been performing over the course of the World Cup. So one, two, three, four matches, 461,000, 1.03 million, 426,000 against Denmark, and 964,000 last night for SBS. Bulldog Bob says, Maddie apart from a good long break, Graham Arnold deserves free drinks for the rest of his life from the Sake, the Sackville Hotel. <laughs> Talk about publicity you can't put a price on. No worries. <laughs> exactly. Matty, with Christmas just around the corner, a lot of people are doing it tough, as we know, and the cost of living over the top. Uh, I think in a lot of cases they can't afford to go to the cricket, etc., says Gary. That's a good point too. I had a look at um, the prices for the Adelaide Oval. And look, you can get in general admission into the Adelaide Ovals free, so you can essentially walk in if you want to. Uh, if you want to grab a seat on the uh, on the eastern side, so you've that afternoon sun down there, sort of along the fence line. I think they they start at eight dollars, and then up they start going. So tickets are certainly okay depending on where you want to sit. Um, but yeah, they I, I don't know what the pre sales are like for the Adelaide Test, but they've got to be worrying. Paramat says correct, Matt. The Cricket Australia board has blundered and blustered for years. They're an embarrassment. Imagine what PVL would do with cricket marketing and the whole culture in the place. Well, we certainly know what the Australian men's test team have been up to, no doubt about that. And here we are, unfortunately, talking about these paltry numbers instead of an outstanding performance. Well, we try and do both, right? We try and cover both things here. And we try and keep a bit of an even keel if we can. And I've pointed out time and time and time again that the performances of the Australians over the course of those five days and the resilience of the West Indies was remarkable. In the end, it was a pretty ripping game of cricket. If you can't get some satisfaction out of the runs that were scored by the Aussies in particular, the fight that was put up by some of those West Indians, I mean, the conditions were perfect. So everything there is on the field, but there's a lot missing off the field. Here's the news. Thank you, Vanessa. Let's talk NFL this morning as we do on a Monday with Ben Graham. Thanks to Ned's level, whatever you bet on, take it to the Ned's level. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858 is the number. BG, good morning to you. Got some pretty fascinating games going on at the moment. Bengals uh, against the Chiefs is one, and Raiders just taking the lead over the Chargers. So the Chiefs currently lead Cincinnati 24-17 and Raiders 24-13 over the Chargers. Some pretty good stuff going on.
12: Uh, This week 13 was billed to be one of the weekends of the season. Six games were between teams that are both in the playoff picture, and it's played out that way. The Chiefs and the Bengals, it is 24-17 the Chiefs' way right now, but both teams have dropped the touchdown pass. Tyler Boyd just dropped the touchdown pass for the Bengals. The Chiefs hold a touchdown lead there. The Chargers... They're not in the playoff picture right now, but they're certainly just in the hunt. But it's been Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, a couple of touchdowns to Adams. They lead 24-13. And two are by lower, thrown a couple of interceptions for the Miami Dolphins. But the 49ers, without Jimmy Garoppolo, who went out injured in the first quarter, the 49ers lead 23-10. So some fascinating games right now. But this morning, it was... A really tight contest between the Jets and the Vikings. Question marks still around the Vikings, but they won 27-22 at home against the Jets. The Jets really did push them all away. The Eagles strengthened their case for a Super Bowl appearance, moved to 11-1, and absolutely dominated the Titans, stopped Der- Derrick Henry. They couldn't get anything going. The Eagles won 35-10 in that game. And we saw our second tie of the season. It was... We know how close the NFL is. We know how close the NFC is. But the NFC East gave us a tie this morning. The Washington Commanders at New York to play the Giants. They couldn't separate them. 2020 in overtime. It looked at times where both teams didn't want to lose. They were happy to get the two points from a tie. But now that makes things really interesting with the playoff picture in the NFC East as well as the NFC. So couple of big results and a couple of big results still pending in this week 13
2: and green bay packers so they had a 28 19 win this morning over the bears now the packers are the most regular season winning team in nfl history now that was their 787th uh, regular season win yeah and
12: look they haven't been all that bad over the last month they they beat Dallas in overtime and lost a couple of close ones to the Titans and the Eagles, but they had to come from behind. Justin Fields again looked good at quarterback, but once again, the Chicago Bears, who have now lost six in a row, nine from their last ten, just couldn't get it done. But I tell you what, there's a, a young rookie wide receiver at the Green Bay Packers called Christian Watson. He scored nine touchdowns in the last four weeks. He's uh, now in the Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation. But that's the type of player that Aaron Rodgers, it may make his mind up where he plays his football next year. But no, it was a good win by the Packers. And I don't think that they will be making the playoffs this year unless they run the table. And teams like the Washington Commanders and New York Giants can't get it done in the back half of the season. But it was a good win by the Packers all the same.
2: What do you think happens a bit later on today, Cowboys v Colts? Well, given how close
12: this week has been, this was one of the easier predictions. So it's the (laughs) Dallas Cowboys for mine at home. They've won four out of the last five. Their only loss was to the Packers in overtime. The Colts, they've looked good since Jeff Saturday has taken the helm, but not good enough for mine. The Dallas Cowboys should move to nine and three. Later on today and, and tomorrow, fascinating matchup between the Saints and the Buccaneers. An NFC clash. The NFC South is is really quite. Uh, it's a must-watch because all teams have a losing record. Someone will win that division and someone will host a playoff game. And it's likely to be the Buccaneers, but it's a must-win for them at home against the New Orleans Saints. But it'll close out what's been a fascinating
2: week 13. Good on you, Ben. We'll speak again next week. Good on you, Matty. Ben Graham there. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, please take it to the Nets level and gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. So the games that are currently underway, uh, 49ers lead the Dolphins 23-16, 23-16 in the fourth quarter. Eight and a bit minutes to go for the Rams and the Seahawks. The Seahawks now lead 17-16. Raiders lead the Chargers in the third quarter 24-13. And the Chiefs, at the end of the third quarter, lead the Bengals 24 points to 17. Cowboys and Colts to come. And then tomorrow it is the Buccaneers... And the Saints, one one 1170 is the open line. Let's go straight to it. Steve in Waraknabeel has given us a buzz this morning. Morning to you, Steve.
5: Hello, mate. Hey, very quickly, before I fix the A-League for you... Yeah. Was, um, was it for was admission at the Wacker Sorry, the, off the stadium. Was it for yesterday? Or gold I... coin donation like it, like it normally yeah. is on a, on a day when they're not expected to get a full day's play?
2: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I'll get 2am uh, Tommy to dig into it. But, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't free, then the old gold coin donation could have been enacted for sure. But, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, a full day's play. You, we could have got a full day's play out of it, obviously, and it, it went, still went pretty long. But, yeah, uh, it's a good question, mate. I'll find out.
5: Yeah, OK. Now now that uh, Football Australia is cashed up... Yes. Um, <laughs> Well, the, thing, the sad thing is, mate, there's no correlation between the Socceroos and the A-League. There was only seven players picked from the A-League teams that were in that squad. So everyone's going home, but there's only seven coming back to play either this week or next week. So what I'd like to see, now that they're cashed up, I'd like Football Australia to actually contract a dozen World Cup players, be it from Australia, be it from from wherever. Have Football Australia contract them, and have like a mini draft or a mini lottery or whatever. But Football Australia play pay the contracts, and mm. one marquee player gets implanted in every A League team to try and boost to try and boost it that way.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. I see. Look, um, I, I don't know, and I'm sure our listeners will tell us. I don't know how the national contracting system works in Football Australia or at Football Australia with their international players, etc., and how that works as opposed to, say, the Wallabies. I know how the Wallabies system works. But, look, there are two things there. You're right. We've, we've got seven players from the A-League, which is sounds like only seven, but that's seven players that came through the A-League that represented Australia at the highest of high levels and showed that the A-League can... If you're an A-League player, if you're a kid that wants to go through to the A-League or you want to play for the Socceroos, you now know that there is a path through the A-League. So there's one thing for sure that they need to try and capitalise on, no doubt about it, because the other players have to go off. And then can we contract those World Cup players? I don't know how that sits. Um, Sounds like a good idea to me. Sounds like a pretty straight... Well, nothing straightforward in sports, Steve, as you know, but it sounds like a pretty good idea. I'm sure that some of our listeners will let us know. So you're saying... You get an FA contract, for instance, and they pay the bulk of the wage that you might earn perhaps playing in another league, and you come on back here and play for a club that doesn't have to make up the, the big part of the contract.
5: Yeah. Well, think like Fred played for someone last year, I think, and he was, play, he was running around at the World Cup. So if you get 12 Freds, Football Australia pay the contract fee. This isn't on the club. So this is an expense by Foot Australia oh. reducing people at going to attend an A League game. So you'll have the wanderer, you'll have a marquee Wanderers versus Sydney game, but there will all each of those teams will also have a marquee player playing for those teams, but it's funded outside of the of, of the club. Mm. So you're going to have twelve, you're going to have twelve Freds running around, which could only be amazing for the for the for improving the league.
2: Yeah. All right. Hey, by the way, it was gold coin entry yesterday. So, at Optus Stadium proceeds went to charity, uh the Charity Youth Focus, which works with young people building mental well-being and helps them reach their potential. So, yeah, gold coin entry yesterday at Optus Stadium. Thank you Steve. Appreciate your thoughts. On that, uh, let me know your thoughts. Uh, morning, Paul from Hurstville. Just heard that that call is saying that Football Australia's cashed up 19 million. What do you expect to do with 19? That's maybe um, what the NRL teams' budget. Please have a good day. So only 19 is what you're saying, Paul. Well, that's what that's what Football Australia get for making the round of 16. What's it worth? I mean, that's just I, I assume that's cash in the bank. Is is that how you get it from FIFA these days? Cash cash in the bank. Um, but look, there's 19 million hits straight away. That's going to help, no doubt about it. Sponsorships and everything else that goes with it, I would expect there'd be some sort of trigger clauses plus the amount of eyeballs that have been on the game in the last couple of weeks and will continue throughout the World Cup. I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying, that 19 only 19 in the scheme of things, but... Um, there'd be a lot more coming in now because of those performances and deservedly so, deservedly so. Sponsors, etc., partners who would all want to be part of Football Australia and the Socceroos in particular going forward. Now's the time to strike. I mean, you, you and I all know that this time tomorrow we'll be moving on to something else. That's why I'm saying now is the time to strike. Unfortunately, in the modern day world, we need an instant hit straight away to capitalise. Back after this break with more of your texts and calls. On the text line, Jay from Blacktown, Uh, you make a very good point, Jay. You make a very, very good point. We need to consider this in all of our discussions. Matt, people are confusing Football Australia with the APL, the Australian Professional Leagues, obviously that now run the A-Leagues competitions. Uh, So you're dead right about that. And obviously Football Australia, they did that, what do they call it, the unbundling of those when uh, when all that came into play. But, I mean, I guess the fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter really who's running what in the country, but when your national team has that kind of pull and power and success and the amount of eyeballs and everybody investing in it, how does that then trickle down? What's the trickle-down effect? How does that go through the A-Leagues and then kickstart a whole new wave again? How do you ride that wave that the Socceroos have created over there in Qatar. Let me know. Uh, FFA or Football Australia reported to receive $19 How's that going to pay for World Cup quality players? Well, that's the discussion we just had. Um, Thank you for that, Matt. Have you ever noticed that former Aussie Test Captains are far more aggressive in terms of declarations, etc., than they were when they were in charge? It always makes me laugh. (laughs) I haven't really noticed that, but it's obviously something that you picked up. I went to a West Indies cricket tour in 2003, said, Barry's Girl, West Indies were competitive. We knew who they were. We know the current Australian team, but we don't know anyone in the West Indian team. With the recent saturation of games, no-names, oppositions, uh, I'll save my money and time for a competitive game later in the summer. Thank you. Uh, Barry's Girl, Bulldog Bob, says, when trying to assess the number of people watching the soccer or football, you have to take into account... 100,000 plus or so, who attended the live sites, clubs and pubs. Yeah, I pointed that out. Without these individual TV, uh, without these sites, those people would have been sitting in front of their TV sets, pushing SBS's number well over the million. Uh, also, to take advantage of the Socceroos' success, the hierarchy has to invest in the grassroots by reducing costs to play the game. That has been a constant. No good investing in only the top players, because when they leave the game, there'll be no one coming through. Uh, thank you, Bulldog Bob. Matty, Nick Hockley can spin it as much as he wants. 42,000 people over five days is pathetic. Compare that to the 250,000 attendance at the supercars over the weekend. Cricket Australia, you have a problem, says Outback Jack. I mentioned the uh, comparison there at the top of the program, Outback Jack. 250,000 odd across the four days of the supercars in Adelaide. I don't know how accurate that number is. They do qu- count people over and over again, and the first day is always a bunch of kids, school kids, etc. But the fact of the matter is it's a massive number compared to the paltry number at the Test cricket. The other part, back, Jack, is that I worry that that big, big number in Adelaide that has spent a lot of money to go to the Supercars event won't have that money to buy tickets to this weekend's or this week's Test match at the Adelaide Oval. I hope it's the latter. I hope I'm completely wrong on that. Um, Meanwhile, on that, because let's not forget too, it's a day-nighter. So let's hope that the fact that it's under lights may prove something completely different. Scott Boland will be in for Pat Cummins if Pat Cummins is ruled out. But Michael Neese is set to be added as cover. And Lance Morris is a name that we might have to get used to. He's on his way to Adelaide. So those two extra bowlers will be called in as cover. If Patty Cummins is out, you'd expect Boland to go in, but just say they want to rest Josh Hazelwood or Mitchell Stark, etc., especially after taking on the extra workload without their skipper there. So Nice is going to join the squad. Um, and Lance Morris, he's the new wild thing. He's 24 years of age from WA and he bowls at 150 kilometres an hour. Impressive in the last Shield match against Queensland. He took a five he's got 59 wickets and an average of 25 across 18 first class matches. He's a right arm quick and he will be around that squad, no doubt, unless they all start to tumble, let's hope not. So there you go. You'd expect Scotty Boland, who's a crowd favourite, to come on in if there's no Pat Cummins and if they decide to rest anyone else, Michael Nisa, and then... Pencil this name in. The youngster, Lance Morris. It's six and a half minutes to 11. Uh, the Shadow's up and about on uh, our Twitter feed, at White MattyWhiteSEN. Good morning to you, Shadow. What have you got for me today? Uh, Jay again from Blacktown. Sorry, Matt, don't want to sound rude, but you obviously don't understand the rivalries between the two organisations that run football in Oz. To an extent, Jay, to an extent I do. Um, but you point out that politics in the game will always play a part and inevitably to the detriment of the game in this country. Thank you for that. The question now is, what do you do off the back of this? <laughs> it's sitting right in front of football in this country. So no matter who um, has to make the call or, you know, which part of, uh, of the game in this country or which parts of the game, in this country, need to jump on board and and capitalise on that. Well, it has to happen now. Have to get into it straight away. While the strike, while the iron's hot, so to speak. Staffy's going to join us in our next uh, hour, our third hour of the program. So we'll get his take on everything from over there in SENZ and your thoughts and calls as well. Keep them coming on this Monday morning. It is our third hour of the program. Thanks for tuning in this morning on SEN 1170 AM Sydney via the app, wherever you tuned on in. Pick up the phone, give us a call. Let's have a chat for the final hour. 49ers lead the Dolphins 23-17. Three minutes to go in that one. Seahawks lead the Rams. This is NFL, obviously. Seahawks lead the Rams 27 23 and the clock is counting down. The Raiders lead the Chargers 27-20 and the Bengals over the Chiefs 27-24 with five and a half minutes remaining in that one. So I'll keep you posted. Sharky is on the open line on this open slather Monday. Good morning, Sharky. Matty, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Go for it. What would you like to talk about?
11: Uh I've understand. You fact coming coming from when he says it, said it, it but I, I don't it's wrong perception. he's come out after the test match and they asked asking about tall crowds, and he says it doesn't doesn't bother me. I can understand that he's saying that if it doesn't bother us, we're going to perform at any level anyway, no matter what crowd, but as the Australian cricket captain i think I, really i really think his, his responsibility is to say yes. Not with the crowd. We're gonna we're gonna have to do a bit more to try and attract yeah. more quick, more more public than that. You know what I mean? And I, I yeah. just can't imagine Steve Wall, Ricky Ponting, Michael Clark even Mark no, no, Taylor no, answering hey, the Sharky, question that way. You know what I mean,
2: hang on a sec. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Hang on a sec because I, I do need to clarify something there. The way that that um, that piece of audio started. Pat Cummins was talking not about... He didn't say the crowds don't bother me. He, he was talking about the start on a Wednesday. So that gives it some perspective. I, I think he was asked the question about starting the test match on a Wednesday and the effect that that had. And he wasn't saying the low crowds don't bother me. He was saying that starting on a Wednesday doesn't bother us. We'll start any day. So in in, in his defense, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'd be 100% with you, but... I think we've given you the wrong perception on that one, so that's our bad. That's our bad on that one. While I've got you on the line, while I've got you, you're going to be tuned into the Adelaide Test because it's now it's now a pink ball Test. I mean, the series is done, but um, there might be no Pat Cummins, and uh, we're talking prime time here. So you're still invested, even though this series is over.
11: Well, it comes down to the crowd situation again. First of all, mate, no one's got any money, right? Simple. Christmas is coming. People are saving their money for Christmas. I've got no doubt that crowds will pick up after Christmas. Hopefully, not too much, so your glorious radio station can turn into the big back again, because they'll be giving <laughs> tickets away. That'd be fantastic. But um, <laughs> it, 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 it will improve. But at the moment, I have no interest in West Indies. It's a two test series, which if you win one test because we hired the trophy. The series is over. What's the point of that? At least make it free we at least got to win two tests to bloody win us. Win one test to win a series. They're insulting themselves as well as insulting the Australian cricket, the general cricket public. Pull your head in.
2: Thank you, mate. Appreciate that and glad we could clear that up. I I, I could hear what you were saying and I I didn't want you to go any further because that was, the perception was was the wrong one. So Paddy Cummins talking about uh, initially the match starting on a on a Wednesday, which certainly didn't help the cause smack bang in the middle of the week over there. And you're asking people to turn up and come on out. So it certainly didn't help the cause. Just a, just another one on what Stephen O'Keefe said and spoke about uh, when I had him on earlier. And if you missed it, jump onto our podcast and have a listen, because Socky's always great with his thoughts. He's about to go into big bash land. Of course, a, an Australian representative in the game continues to be very, very active in club cricket and the club that, Uh, He's a part of, I'm a part of as of this year when it comes to coaching. Now, I, I pointed out that a lot of the talk around Cricket Australia is we want to be this and we want to be that. We want to be a diverse sport and we want to be an inclusive sport. And I made the point when I heard those comments last week, they already are. Don't need to tell us something that you already are. And I'll give you an example. And it is close to home. And it's something that Stephen O'Keefe mentioned. I coached the women's third grade team. We went out to Parramatta on the weekend and we got done in a T20 match. And look, it was a ripping day, um, but we got done. We turned around, we came home and we got back to Manly Oval where the men's first grade were playing the second day of their match so about six or seven of our girls and myself went down and, and watched the men continue on with their match and watched them win it. And it was extraordinary. It was just fantastic. At the end of that, they all piled into the dressing room and Jay Lenton, who is the skipper, and a lot of you will know Jay, said, come on in. I go down and help out with those boys uh, as much as I can in terms of warming up. But they looked at our guys and said, come on in. So they invited all the girls in, this, in the team in my team, to go on in and be part of the team celebration and the song, which was extraordinarily awesome. And that, folks, Cricket Australia, have a listen. It it is replicated across many clubs, across all levels. You are inclusive. You are diverse. You're ticking all of those boxes. You don't need to continue on with this spin to try and make everyone sound good. It's right there in front of you. Concentrate on the other things that are lacking at the moment, and that's support for the men's test cricket team. For right or wrong, the Australian public don't want to pay and get on out there. And there's a great example of one box that you've already ticked, the inclusivity box and the diversity box as well. And it is replicated time and time and time again. Couldn't be happier with our girls and with our boys at our club as well. Now, staffy should be on the line pretty soon. We should be able to tune on into SENZ and see if we can pick up Mark Stafford live, and he should be picking me up live. Ads, how close are we to doing that? Should I read another text message while we wait and see if we can get that one done? I will. Give me a thumbs up when we're good to go with Staffy. He'll just come barreling on in. He'll just, you know, he'll just talk straight over the top and away we go. Uh, the Aussie cricket players and officials are big time on the nose, says Mo Mick. There's a public image problem with the public, uh, an image problem with the public, and they are suffering due to the pathways they've chosen. Uh, listening to the cricket CEO comments was pathetic. The game has a huge leadership crisis. They need a leader who's prepared to tackle the issues with honesty. You need to own and acknowledge your problems before you can fix them, says Moe Mick. That sounds to me as though Staffy's on the line. Have we got you, Staffy? Should we be tuning in to Essienz? Have we he is. got him now? There he is. Oh, it was worth yes. the wait, brother. Oh, only a minute and seven
0: seconds it took oh, of uh, oh. horrible radio.
2: <laughs> How are you, my friend? Oh, we're good. We're good, mate. I
0: feel a bit sorry for the Socceroos. I started, you know, I jumped on the Socceroos bandwagon. I've enjoyed it.
13: mm
2: yeah, well, we've enjoyed it too. I mean, you would have seen the you know the the shots from the live sites around the country here, oh, and every yeah. made every politician in the land jumped on board very quickly and started putting live sites in their own backyard. I mean, it was extraordinary, and the way that Australia has has bought into this this team and what they stood for and what they stand for has been remarkable. Can I get your thoughts? So we've been talking this morning about how you parlay that success, and these are only moments in time, Stuffy, as you know. But this is a big moment in time for football in this country to try and capitalise on that. So if this was happening in your backyard, if this was a New Zealand team who'd reached the heights that other people didn't think they could get, how do you think that you would try and translate that into more success on every level?
0: So what Australian football should do is look at when we made the... New Zealand made the 82 World Cup final and the 2010 World Cup final... And do not mirror anything that New Zealand football did, <laughs> right? <laughs> which which was? was sat on their hands and just expected it to all it to all happen. You got to make heroes out of these guys. You got to make them accessible to the kids. Um, I, like, I know you guys have been eliminated, but it's a win. What your your team of David's and what you did to some Goliaths is. Unbelievable. You've really got to celebrate them and get them out into the communities and make them the heroes that they deserve to be. Um, I know Australian football has better links through international teams. The All Whites, we just can't get games. You know, we have All Whites Mm. coaches. um, And I will excuse the last one, Danny Hay. He did get us a few games, but we might play two or three times a year and that's it. So, um, yeah, cash in, mate, because it's the biggest game in the world.
2: Yeah, yeah, doubling down, cashing in. I, I think the good thing, and we spoke about this over the last couple of weeks. I, I reckon the really good thing is that Australian football fans knew and know exactly what the Socceroos stand for. So, in my sense, mate, it's quite an easy sell. You, mm. You've you've done all the hard work with that. And now the hard part is, I think, is is how do you bottle that and bring it back when the World Cup glow is no longer there, and that's going to be. One of the big questions going forward. What did you make of the first test? Uh, we've been talking about the lack of crowds there, but the Australian performance was rock solid, and the Windies were resilient.
0: They were. I I just can't get over the crowd thing. I j- I really can't, and I'm not. I don't want to be critical or anything, but why aren't people going?
2: <laughs> That's what we've been trying to get to the bottom of. I mean, I, I, mm. there's a number of reasons. There really are quite a few reasons. You know, cost is, is one thing because, you know, people are doing it tough. We, we get that. Mm. Um, There is a perception around the Australian men's cricket team for right or wrong that they just can't get invited into. I, I, and I think going back to what we say about the socceroos, I don't know if the Australian public know what the Australian men's cricket team is as an identity aside from our national team. And I think more could be done on that for the players, and the other part is scheduling. The big part here is scheduling cricket fatigue. I mean, the summer's only just started. What are we, four, five, four days officially into the world of summer? And most Australian cricket fans are already fatigued off the back of the T20 World Cup and knowing that the BBL's coming and one day is and all that kind of stuff. So there's a whole range of issues. But my, my biggest concern, Staffy, out of the lot of it is that I don't know if Cricket Australia really understand the gravity of the situation at the moment. I think they're just trying to wait for it to blow over and results will bring back the crowds and that's not happening.
11: Mm,
0: yeah, f- fatigue's a good point. Well, I brought that up on our show actually because three days after the T20 World Cup final, we were playing India in a T20 here in New Zealand. It was just, it was weird. You, you need, ch- I've banged on about this for years, you need a chance to miss a sport. You need a chance to miss it and want it to come back <clears throat> and with cricket. That just doesn't happen. Before we leave, the Perth thing is, is part of it because we've got a similar situation in New Zealand. We've got the Basin Reserve, which I think historically is the best cricket ground in New Zealand, um, but they take our one-dayers and T20s to a football stadium and they play there and no one goes. Is 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 a little bit of a... if they, Was that the whacker, the old whacker with all of that history? Would put more people have gone to that?
2: I don't think so. I, I mean, I... I think you're just sort of going to a smaller ground to make it look better. I don't know if if, if 4,000, well, it was less than 4,000 people. I don't know if more than 4,000 people would have gone to the Wacker because everything that they were saying about the Whacker um, was the reasons why people weren't going. I mean, it took forever to get into the joint, took forever to get a place, you know, get something to eat, etc. Optus Stadium is as shiny and as sparkly as you can get, and it's big. But they mm. know how to pull a big crowd there, and... I don't think there's anything wrong with the place. It ain't that too far away from from the Wacky across this beautiful bridge. Now, I mean, it's 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 a beautiful day out. There's no question about it. I don't think it's got anything to do with the venue or the location. It's got a lot to do with the way that this team is perceived and marketed, as well, and throwing all the other factors on top of that. You guys must be looking. So, what's next for for you, blacks? Is it um, the Pakistan series, which is a little bit later on?
0: Yes, yes, it is, and. Um yeah, but thankfully we've got a little bit of time to miss it. Our White Ferns, our, our women's national team, are taking on Bangladesh at the moment, so we've still got cricket over here in the domestic league and we'll have the Super Smash, which is the New Zealand version of the Big Bash. But New Zealand Zealanders really get into the Big Bash and particularly now Martin Gupta has been picked up. He's been released by New Zealand cricket and he's been picked up over in Australia. Uh, even more reason for us to turn into the Big Bash. It's... Um, it sort of lost its way for a couple of years, didn't it, the Big Bash with, um, again, with engagement with public. I'll be really interested to see the engagement this year.
2: Yeah, well, they lost their way because they, they tried to, they got greedy. I mean, mm. They just started yeah. loading up. I think it was, what, 50 matches? And like, no, 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 60 would be great. It's like, seriously, you get to the end <laughs> of the Big Bash and you're like, oh, God, can't we just move on to something else? <laughs> oh, dear. What else is happening in your world?
0: I've just had a text message actually, which I'm going to read yeah. out from James and saying, Shout out to Matty White's producer who just solved the issue on air with the whole of New Zealand listening along, my hero. There you go. Because oh, he came did on and, and, he, yeah, and he said, Can you hear me, Stephanie? And I said, Yeah, I can hear you. And he was on air.
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was, that was Adam in the studio. You should have just, you know, just grilled him, put him on the spot. <laughs> Get his, get his take on the crowds, the lot. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're an open book here, Staffy. As you, as you, I mean, meanwhile, while you were having that discussion on air, I was talking to myself over here, which is nothing unusual. Just a quick one. Quick one. I've got a text from Gavin from Penrith. He says, "Why why don't New Zealand football move to the Asian Conference like Australia did a while back? I don't know the answer. Gavin, do you know the answer to that, Staffy?
0: Yeah, because we've, we've stuck with the Oceania because we, you know, we're loyal to our region, but you guys have decided that you're Asian to, be, to, to find an easier way to get into the uh, tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it, was, it would be too hard. I, I just don't think we're good enough to, to take on Oceania. If we want to get into a, um, into a, a big tournament, an easier path for us, is Oceania, because in the Asian Conference, we got, we got you guys for a start, and other teams that are just too strong. So the op- opportunity was to go there, but um, whether it's the right reason or the wrong reason, I think Oceania gives us an easier path. Good
2: man. All right, buddy, we'll speak again next week. Good on you, Matty. Staffy joining us there from SENZ. The Reptile says, Shagger. please, we have the reason why crowds are down, and that is the attitude of this men's team. Look at the women's team, crowds are at records. Don't sing the company line, Matt. Well, (laughs) Reptile, we can go back and forth. I mean, we've got another 40 minutes. You want to go back and forth, we can. Uh, What's the company line for a start? And what am I singing if I don't know what the company line is? I mean, there are more than one, there is uh, a whole stack of reasons, that there are a whole stack of reasons, I'll get my grammar right, as to why crowds are down. And the perception around that men's team is certainly certainly part of it. The perception around that men's team. Us answer me this, Reptile. What part of the attitude of the men's team over the five days of the test match against the West Indies that you saw is a reason to turn off? Anyone? They were exemplary. On the field, off the field, In terms of their performances, the way they carried themselves, I've got absolutely no dramas with it whatsoever. What I'm saying to you is that Cricket Australia need to back this team more. They need to find the identity of this team and tell the Australian public the reasons why you should come and watch the Australian men's cricket team. That's not singing from the company line. I've been as critical as anyone around Cricket Australia, so I don't know which company line you're referring to. But these are the facts of the matter. The Australian men's test cricket team is the number one test cricket team in the world with some of the best players in the world. They've just put out an outstanding performance against the West Indies and less than 4,000 people turned up yesterday to watch them. There's a lot more problems around that than a perceived company line. It's 21 and a half minutes after 11. I had a text here from earlier saying Steve Smith can't be captain if Cummins is not available. Oh, yes, he can. And he was captain for essentially the last two days of that test, even though Paddy Cummins was out there um, doing his best, but not bowling a ball in the second innings. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Uh, let me get through some of these texts. You know, after the 11.30 news, um, 2 a.m., Tommy's back in the chair. So remember last week, folks, Brooksy had to come on in and he was um, uh, producing the show for the last three days while Tommy was out gallivanting around the state, sipping pina coladas in his spa. Uh, And we've got to get to the bottom of exactly how all that played out. But he made it back. That's the important thing. Need to see what he got up to. By the way, that was the first time in World Cup history that there were more Asian teams in the round of 16 than South America. So Australia, South Korea and Japan. South America had Argentina and Brazil, who are both still going. But obviously the Asian Football Conference has the strength there in numbers. Uh, Let me get to some of these texts before we get to the news with Vanessa. Matty, a great way to grow the game of soccer or football would be don't wait four years to publicise the game so much. If it's not a World Cup year, you hardly hear it advertised on uh, any sports shows. Yeah. I mean, the the A-Leagues has certainly stepped up a gear in the last few years in particular. I, I don't think there's any drama about that and you'd be going full throttle right now, wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Mystery Man says, I get sick of this constant chat about these elite junior soccer fees. If little Jimmy's so damn good, should you not expect to pay more to further his development and get him the best training available? It's the way the world works, isn't it? You get what you pay for. Matty, play someone that is on a local soccer club committee. The biggest problem is getting sponsored. If we can get big corporations, local clubs, local rep clubs, this could bring the fees down, says the Hawk. I can tell you what the A-League needs to do, says Martin. Players from clubs need to visit schools and junior clubs so the young children can connect with them. Free tickets should be given to these children who, of course, bring their parents and siblings to games. I can tell you that once the kids identify with players... They've got them as club supporters for life. Well, can you imagine how many kids have dared to dream to play for the Socceroos, whether or not they want to come through the A-League system, however it works for them, but imagine how many more kids now are daring to dream to play at a World Cup after seeing the performance of what the Australians have done and how they've done it in particular, how they've done it as well. Didn't get over the top of Argentina in the end, but boy, did they put up a fight. And that, outside of the France performance, summarises everything. The Western Sydney Eagles said, snap judgment SVGs burnout after yesterday's race in Adelaide was epic, best ever. The whole weekend was awesome. Yeah, the 500 returns to the streets of Adelaide and they get a massive crowd. Um, How do you reckon the government and those that made the decision to scrap that a couple of years ago are feeling now idiotic? is probably the answer. But the burnout from Shane Van Gisbergen was pretty damn good. Right up there with the very best. Here's the news, and then we'll find out what 2am 2 2 Tommy's been up to. Stuart on the text line says, not sure if I've missed it, Maddie, but have you mentioned the softball World Cup win for the Aussie Steelers? I haven't. 5-2 over Canada. Beat the USA and Argentina on the way to the final. Well done to the Aussie Steelers. Thank you for that, Stuart. And on that, Hugh... Says Maddie, I'm a broken record, but the best oval ball women's footy team in Australia won on the weekend in Dubai, the Aussie Sevens women's team. Thank you. Yeah, I saw that. Good on you, Hugh. Thank you for that. Happy to give a shout out to as much as we can. Uh, Maddie, I personally not have, I have personally not have enough cricket, as there has only been one match so far this summer. Um, okay, I personally not have enough cricket. Okay. I'll try and work that one out, Tim. And then, But then you go on to say also, et cetera is pronounced et cetera, not et cetera, and doesn't need to be said twice. <laughs> Love the show, mate. Thank you, Tim. Uh, fire on back and let me know. Are you saying you've you've had enough or you haven't had enough? I don't know. Uh, let's go to the open line. Tony from Hunters Hill is on the line. How do the Socceroos, or how does football in Australia capitalise on the Socceroos' success, Tony?
14: Well, I um, I've seen this since 74 when... Three of my teammates went to the World Cup, but we've been singing the same song and nothing seems to change. Um, unless the government pours a lot of money into our sport, uh, the FA and the players, they haven't got enough money to put into it at, at, a, at a junior level. Uh, consequently, you're going to have these high fees that stop a lot of good, young, talented players coming through the ranks. So, you know, when you're charging $2,800 bucks after tax money to... To, you know, to get your, t- t- your 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 kid playing for a soccer team, mate. There's just way too much when you've got two or three kids in the family. There. So no other sport does it. So what's the answer? I'll tell you what the answer is. And I've mentioned Christian Volpato to you before because I know the yeah. kid. I coached him when he was about 10 a few times. Um, mate, before he went to Italy to try out for AS Roma, six months, listen to this, six months training, six days a week, twice a day right this is what this kid had to do to go overseas we've got so many talented kids here just go out we're not going to change anything here so how about the parents of talented kids just get the kids to go and just train every day practice every day sooner or later you're going to get snapped up by someone whether it's here or overseas don't leave it to the government or football federation australia what I, as a coach now, what I don't like is when I go around the grounds anywhere between, say, September to March, they're all empty. You go to Europe, you go to South America, Maddie, they're packed. Kids kicking a ball all day. That's all they know how to do. Mm. They've got no other choice. You want to become a famous athlete? You go out there and do the hard work. Don't rely on the government. Don't rely on the A-League. You go out there and train, and sooner or later, you're just like Christian did, you go overseas and you get snapped up. And this year, good players are born. You've got to do the hard work yourself. The rest of it's never going to change, Matty. I mean, the Socceroos did us proud. They even surprised me, mate. I'm a, I'm a cynic from way back. But they did an excellent job, a couple of costly mistakes, and that's, that's part of life. But yep. to, to go up there and do it was fantastic. Why wouldn't you inspire all these other kids to go out there and train hard now? You know, put your devices away and all the other rubbish, and get out there and train, and you too can become a superstar. There's no problem. It's as simple as yeah, nice that. Message.
2: Hard training, rewards. Nice okay. message, mate. You're channeling Arnie there too. Put your phones away. Get off the social media. But I mean, it's hard to argue with, with hard work. Um, and it's it's funny. You know, I find it really interesting because I don't know at grassroots level the issues and problems on you know the minutia of of all of this, but I. What I'm trying to find today is a way for football in Australia to capitalise on its biggest moment. Now's not the time, I don't think, to start looking at all your problems. I think now's the time to go. Okay, we've got this opportunity. Let's make the most of it right now, because it ain't going to last forever. People will say we've got to need we, we need to push this for the next four years. It's not going to be there for the next four years, day in day out. You got to jump on it right now. We all know the world we live in. Click blink and you miss it. It's gone. Jason from Blacktown, can you help us out on that? How do we capitalise?
15: Well, I can but I've just got one thing first, Matty. Was it Sharky that called up about the West Indies Test and we win one test and we win the series?
2: Yeah, the Frank Worrell Trophy belongs to us,
15: yeah. It could, we could have had rained out two tests and we still would have won it because we held it. So his point's mute. He needs to give himself an uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> That's just All a right. silly point. Anyway... What have you got for me? Yeah. Okay... Look, with regards to the APL and the FA being different, the FA in Australia got the $19 million for that World Cup, like yes. we just did then. The APL doesn't get any of that. Now,
6: That's they right. took
15: over about 18 months ago, and they've got $160 million sitting in their bank that they've done nothing with except bring out Barcelona, Everton and Celtic. The problem also is that when we had qualifications and the A-League was still going, Melbourne City didn't even want to release players to qualify through the Asian thing that we had. So there really is a problem with the two groups, organisations that run the sport in this country. We got rid of the ethnicity out of the game, which had to happen because it was just turning people off. But the APL, since they've taken over, all they've done that I can say of note is they actually shut down a Wellington game to fans because the 500 tickets that were sold weren't to their liking, so they played a closed game. So it's not going to be a problem that the A-League's going to solve. FA has to do a bit more with government help. And the APL, which is only now looking after itself and clubs, is not really interested in the game in Australia because if you look at Melbourne City, they're run by one of the biggest clubs in the world. They're not... Oh,
2: you just... Yeah, I, we got your point. You just you just dipped out a little bit there at the back end, but you, we got your point about Melbourne City, and and you're right. And I appreciate your text, mate, and I and I thank you for giving me the call on that as well, because I I do understand to an extent, like I said before, an extent about you know the divisions within the game and the history of the game, and I've certainly done enough reporting on it over many many years, three decades, in fact, to to know where it sort of stands now. And with the APLs, I mean, I, the APL and the 160 million dollars in the bank, I mean. Perhaps you get to a juncture in the road here where somehow these two are going to have to shake. They, they're going to have to hold hands. If it's going to be for the benefit of the game, then Football Australia's done its work with the Socceroos. How does that flow on to the A-Leagues and how on earth do they manage to do that together? They're not going to hand over their 19 million bucks. I get that completely but if there's 160 million in the bank then you'd want to be doing something better with that but my my point around all that is and take all the politics out of it if you can which you can't now's the time to sit at the table now's the time to to double down and cash in put all chips on the table because in an instant we'll be talking about somebody else that won the world cup and we'll be moving on and we'll be back into the A league um, uh, A league competition as of this week thank you Jason appreciate it mate good on you thanks for the call and for the info chris from bankstown on the open line as well. Your thoughts, Chris?
16: Yes, Maddie. I just want to go from a different point of view. I don't believe throwing money at a problem, if you want to call it a problem, is is the be-all and end-all. We've seen that in social circles, political circles. Um, I believe it's the mentality of the the way we bring up uh, our kids in these uh, uh, competitions, be it rugby league or um, soccer, So, for example, um, they don't start actually playing for points or for grand final wins until they're 12. So we don't have that hunger and desire that um, some of these kids from other countries do who basically kick around barefoot and in rags. So we're taught winning doesn't matter and, and whatever until you're about 12 years old. By then, a lot of those kids have no structure or desire to want to keep playing the game. I've got a young boy, he's eight. He, he went through and, believe me, he knew the scores and who won and who lost whatever game. And then towards the end of the year, goes, are we playing semi-finals next week, Dad? And I said, no, mate, sorry, it's just the end of the year. So I've got mm-hmm. to pay for him to go into an academy and that way they do actually play against other um, academies for, for points and whatever. So I'll, I used to play... As a reasonably high level myself at a state league level. And I can tell you there's a lot of good players that were lost and then there ended up being these other players who we haven't heard of or knocked around with and they're the ones that are playing NSL. So I think there's mm. an issue with the pathway there as well.
2: Yeah, so another another issue on the table. Thank you, Chris, and thanks for explaining that. I mean, you know, where where does the desire and where does that spirit come from? Sure, for sure, that comes from the messages and and what they stood for over there, the Socceroos. Where does the competition factor on the pathway system come from? Well, if you're not playing for if you're not playing for anything at the at the early age, it's hard to get that competitive drive, isn't it? And if you can't play semi final, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So greater problems underneath the depth. I think I'll go back to it. I think today is the day, and and this week probably, and into next week. Now is the time to to do everything that it can, football in Australia, on all levels, to do everything that it can on on whatever way that it can do so to capitalise on what they've got out of the Socceroos. How the Socceroos have garnered the support of Australian football fans and non-football fans. How they've done that at the World Cup level. You can't replicate that over and over and over again on all different levels, but you can certainly... Capitalize on it, and of course we've got the Women's World Cup coming up as well. So there's another shot in the arm. So if this is the time to put all the all the problems on the table, then do so. If it's just the time to say, you know what, we've just we've just pardon the pun, kick some serious goals here. How do we capitalize them? Let's do that as well. Uh, Paul from Terrigal. go for it, Paul. Yeah, look, there's only two people that can give you an answer to your question, mate. That's Craig
8: Foster and Andy Harper.
2: Fozzy, yeah, Fozzie. Well, I should get them both on. <laughs> should get them both on and have the answer to it. I mean, okay, thank you. I'll, I'll do that. Good on you, Paul. Uh, is that where we need to go? We go to Fozzie and we go to Andy Harper and get the results out of that. How do we capitalise? We're running out of time. We need to pay some bills. Thank you, Tim, for getting back to me. I have not had enough cricket, he said. Uh, so it must have been lost in translation along their way. Thank you, Tim. Jimmy Smith is in the house for this... Uh, Week in the afternoon show coming up. What what on earth have you got now, James?
13: <laughs> Mate, you know the mince pies that were in here. Oh yeah, last week, a, a couple of weeks ago. No, nah, yeah. Well, they're still here. See, here yeah. they are. Right. So yeah. I'm not even thinking about that. There is a bit of shortbread here from Ooh. Brumby's Bakery, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. Mm. Well, they'd last surely. Yeah. There's a Christmas pudding <laughs> in, in the and I'm like seriously, if you hit someone over oh. the head with it, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I I'd be worried. I think. The run home with Joel and Fletch. They'll be throwing this Christmas pudding around here this afternoon. I'd be wearing Brooksy, Gibbo, if you're listening, wear your crash yeah. helmets when you're coming yeah. in here.
2: Looks like a door
13: stopper. A d- massive door stopper. That'd be a perfect thing for it. Yeah. And the way it just slammed into your hand there, it sounds like a door stopper as well. Or if you're playing a little bit of, you know, modified cricket game over the holiday period where you might say right you've oh, got yeah. to bat on one knee and you've got to do this it, it would be a great short leg and if it hits the christmas pudding that short <laughs> leg you're out are you are you trying to tell me that that
2: christmas pudding is david boone
13: it's a, <laughs> it's, it's it's made in the image of the great david and clarence
2: boone. boone
13: yeah dc boone what a
2: yeah Good catch for Warnie's hat trick. Sounds like sounds like him too. See if he can pour fifty five beers into that pudding. And... <laughs> <laughs> all we
13: wanted to know, all we wanted to know, was vision of David getting off the plane, didn't we? Yeah, like that's yeah. what we wanted. I think Dougie, Dougie, and and Bacchus walked off. There was some yeah. speculation that there was the the DC Boone required a, a trolley at Heathrow. Well.
2: I was I was told that there was there was a trolley involved at the hotel. I believe. Ah, I believe. So he, know, va- you know,
13: he got off the plane, no problem. And then... I don't know if there was a. <laughs> I don't know about the no problem part. Right. But... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, he got off the plane. Yes. <laughs> Let's just leave
2: it at hang that. On, hang on, hang on. They got him off the
13: plane. <laughs> There's another way. See. There's another way. And surely, <laughs> if you if you can't make own way. Off plane, then mm.
2: null and void, right? The record. That's right. Record, record. Uh, one of the funniest parts of that is that the is that the uh, the roster they had of those sitting next to Bobby Simpson. You heard about this? No. So they had a they had a roster of okay. of, of, of people that had to go and sit with Bobby Simpson to try and to try and um, keep him off the scent, so to speak. So they were pouring beers beers back into boonie and meanwhile, everyone was trying to keep Bobby Simpson busy. And they thought they'd done the job very well until the pilot when they landed said, Welcome to the Australian cricket team and congratulations on David Boone for drinking <laughs> <and medications." laughs> oh. That's how the story was relayed to me.
13: Okay. Yes. Okay. Well that would that wouldn't have gone over well,
2: uh with <laughs> Robert Badley Simpson. No. Well he was he was meant to get sent home, Bernie. Was so he? Yes, yes. Um but I think... <laughs> I think he was effectively passed out for the time that they decided to send him home. By the time they, by the time, did
13: broken. he miss the hearing? Because he was he missed the, hard of yes. hearing
2: because he was asleep. He missed the hearing. Correct. Okay. All oh, right. Geez. Very good. Good times. You, you know Great what? Taste. You know
13: what? You've done. You've got, You've given us a talk topic for this afternoon on the back of that. Great sporting, <laughs> non-sport legends and records.
2: Oh, there's a good one. There's a good one. Because because fifty. Was it fifty-five or fifty-two cans? Well, I thought the original was fifty-two, right? And then and then he upped it. He to extended it. I mean, okay. I love the fact that all of this gets lost in the wash. You know <laughs> that the numbers become a little bit if And yes, yeah. All, yeah. But uh, yeah, great stories, great stories. Now, what's coming up on your show, mate? Uh,
13: we're going to have a look at the World Cup. I don't know about you, Maddie, on on yesterday morning, uh, getting up and watching it just at home with um, you know family drifting in and out, and it was like I, I was glued to it. I was mesmerised by Messi, and it, it was just such a great performance from the Socceroos, and so disappointing, but one that you could be you know justifiably proud of. But uh, mm. it was a, it was a, a great day for Australian football.
2: I ran around the corner at half time to get a to get a coffee. Yes. So I, I quickly jumped on the bike and I and I scooted. There's a little cafe just around the corner and I scooted around and it was that eerie feeling. No cars on the road. Isn't that funny? I mean it was it was yeah. six forty or whatever and there was no cars on the road. It was bizarre and I thought this is one of those moments everybody's out watching or everybody's in watching, aren't they? It was extraordinary. Yeah. Uh what else, mate?
13: Zachy Bailey, Jordan Canellis uh, SEN caller talking uh, World Cup, and Tess Connery have talked us through all the things that we weren't and were watching over the course of the weekend.
2: Nice. Have a good show. Thanks, Matty. That has been a busy start to the week, but a lot of uh, a lot of great chat and a lot of great debate as well. So thank you for all of that today. We'll do it again tomorrow. Now, I'll just wrap up those uh, final scores from the NFL matches that we were tracking. So the 49ers against the Dolphins, the 49ers have won that one, 17 The Seahawks beat the Rams, 27-23. The Raiders beat the Chargers, 27-20, a close one. So the Bengals got over the Chiefs, 27-24. And the Cowboys and Colts to get underway in 20 minutes. So Jimmy will have all of that covered for you. Don't forget Joel and Fletch back in business today. So they'll be taking you through their nine days of Dogmas. Greyhounds as pets, more profiles. Let's find some homes for these beautiful animals for Christmas. On the show tomorrow, Scotty Bailey will join me. We'll have all the latest, of course, from the FIFA World Cup with Richard Bayless as well. Thank you for your company today, everyone. Have a great day. We'll do it all again tomorrow from 9.